0: Hello, hello. Welcome to... Evolving Us. Mm, what episode is this? It's 13. I
1: want to say it's 13. Mm. Lucky number 13.
0: Is it a lucky number or an unlucky number?
1: I guess it depends on perspective, huh?
0: <laughs> Doesn't everything? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> you. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today... I'm going to turn my mic down just a tiny bit because I'm seeing this red line and I know I'm going to get loud.
1: <laughs> I'm okay, so, so today, proud of you for your awareness.
0: Thanks. I try to be as mindful as I can be in my life. Mm. <laughs> I didn't choose it. It chose me.
1: Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay.
0: So today, <laughs> today we're talking about a really life-changing, amazing concept that, uh, has fully swept me off my feet in every way.
1: Before you announce it, I would like to say that this morning I was actually thinking about how much this topic that we're about to talk about has changed my life. And more so, the consistency of it. Hmm. So I just, obviously we share a brain, a heart, I don't know what else we share, so many things. We share a but lot of things. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not surprised that this came up.
0: So what we're going to talk about today is meditation. Mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. Oh, meditation
0: yeah. is the superhuman power, the superhuman tool that is the great equalizer, the great neutralizer, the great teacher to everything it is that we do. And I swear to Bob, if you haven't figured out this superpower yet, man, you're missing out.
1: You're about to find out.
0: You're about to really find out. So you know what? Let's just put all this stuff aside and let's just do a little. If you're listening to this podcast and you're walking or driving, please don't close your eyes, but I'm going to just guide you. (laughs) I'm going to guide you through two minutes of practice.
1: I love that disclaimer. That's why. Thank you.
0: I had to give the disclaimer because sometimes um, I'm listening to like, you know, programs or my 300 hour or whatever, and I'm like driving and she'll just be like, okay, well, let's tune into our bodies. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to tune into my body while I'm looking at the road. That's great. (laughs) I could do that. (laughs) So let's do it. Wherever you are, just uh, find yourself in a space where you feel settled and either close your eyes or pay attention to what you're doing, one or the other, whatever is the most safe for you right now. Let's take a breath in, then we'll exhale. Hmm. Again, take a breath in, and exhale. Hmm. And just take a moment to disconnect from the looping dialogue that you have upstairs. And just put a little pause in the way your brain waves moving. Give yourself a second to put a little bit of space between each thought. And take note of your inner landscape. What do you feel in your body right now? What do you notice in your thoughts What do you notice in your emotional being? Just do a little scan. And then whenever you feel ready, gently tune back into this podcast, coming back into the space of Ash and Jules (laughs) together.
1: That was nice.
0: That was nice. Let's do that all the time.
1: Oh, wait, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was nice for me in this moment because it just, breathing is just so great. And deep so breaths great. really help you regulate.
0: That's a real one. And I do have to agree with you because we just got up to Big Bear Um And that windy road really makes me carsick. And when I walk into the house up here, always there's like an overwhelm that comes with it just because there's so much going on, whether it's the dogs running around or um, (laughs) the kids running around or like, you know, with Liam's energy, who I love so much, but he's a little boy. So there's a lot that comes with that. Um, So I think we both benefited just now. Hopefully everyone listening here too could. Could too, too could. Will too. <laughs> will too. Will do. Do, do, do. Ah. Okay, so let's talk about meditation. First, I want to talk about meditation specifically to all of you beginners or even those of you that are newer to practice, but it's something that you know, you're willing to invest in, but you're, you don't fully understand it yet. One of the prerequisites for all of the clients that I coach with is I ask that they meditate every single day. And so I tend to check in with them. Obviously clients, like I have clients that I see once in a while, but the ones that I see consistently, that's my rule of thumb because I can't really work with them in a mindful way and start to support them in seeing some of their behavior, it's patterning and the way that they show up if they're not involved in mindful practice every single day. And I don't want to hold their hand with it because we all know that the things that we learn the most are things that we learn for ourselves, not because someone else told us to.
1: Mm. And and in the vein of, th- of talking about being a beginner with meditation or overall in general to mindfulness practice, I think that something that was uh, a misconception of mine when I started meditating was that it always had to look a certain way, right? I, and I mm. think, let me actually add on to that as well, that there's a lot of, intimidation i think that when Mm -hmm. you don't know how to do something whether it's working out or a new job or insert here literally any skill that is something new that you're trying to learn maybe master there's this constant running dialogue of am i doing it right am i there especially i think with meditation there's like this am i doing it am i doing it you don't know if you're doing yeah. it in the beginning. It's
0: like expectation that you'll be enlightened. Like yeah. sit there and close your eyes. Now you're like a freaking Buddha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, I, and it it could be really intimidating and I think also discouraging because, you know, it's meditation isn't like a workout where it's like you worked out, you're sweating after. It's a tangible, physical reaction. Although I actually am going to contradict mm. myself because – you do get results with meditation, so many. Um, and it, it it's not, I just think it's different than the expectation around things that we go after, that we are like, okay, if I do this, then this is the outcome. If I go work out, I'm going to sweat. And that's how I know I did a really great workout. But with meditation, the results are very ambiguous. And even though you and feel they're calmer. Yeah, exactly. Even though you may feel calmer after uh, my husband... <laughs> My husband always says, Oh no, I can't meditate because I'll be too tired after, um, which is, it's, it's an excuse of course, but it's also (laughs) like, that's the reason why you want to meditate is so that you could be pausing, you know, and, and calmer Mm. and regulate your systems and, um. Yeah, I think that's that's a funny statement, but I've made that statement probably too. Um, but yeah, the thing with meditation that I think is interesting when you begin or it's interesting when it's not a consistent practice that you go to is that you think it needs to look a certain way because so many things in our life are so like cause and effect and the results look so tangible for so many things that we want to accomplish or change. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's like
0: the instant gratification mindset Mm -hmm. of like, okay, if I work out, I'll feel the endorphins right away. Whereas when I meditate, the results actually, while you might feel calmer in the moment, and I think this is kind of similar to what you're saying is that the results actually, uh, show themselves or present themselves when you're navigating difficult situations, when you're managing your stress in other areas, it doesn't, the results don't show in that moment. So I think that's why it's so difficult to create a commitment and then stick to it because you don't have that instantaneous gratification.
1: Yeah, and when I mentioned uh, at the beginning that I said I thought meditation needed to look a certain way, um, I also realized that there are so many different ways that you can meditate, whether it's guided meditation or the time you put into it. Um, There's just so many different ways that you can Insert it into your life and make it like you know. There's no bad meditation.
0: <laughs> That's the truth. So oh. it's the only one. The only bad meditation is the one you didn't do. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So for our beginner mindset people or people that are newer or maybe like uh, are having trouble with the actual I do part of <laughs> meditation, the commitment of it is. Um, I just want to preframe by saying an iteration, a recap of what we just covered of you're not going to see results like right away in that exact moment. Um, sometimes you're going to sit down and meditate and it's going to feel really difficult, like almost excruciating because your mind is going to be racing and you're wanting to go and do other things. And maybe it's at the bottom of your list. Cause you think once you get everything else done, then you'll be able to relax. Um, <laughs> meditating for two hours, once a month is not the same as meditating five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes every single day. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself because I want to go deeper into these ideas, but I just want to pre-frame our beginners because there is no right way to meditate and there is no right result. And I think that's also why it makes it difficult to commit because when you're trying to master something and you want to get good at something, you want to have a benchmark of what it looks like when you're progressing, but there is no benchmark in meditation because every experience is so different. And when you open your consciousness, like one day you'll literally get a memory of something you forgot about your entire life. That's an answer to a question you've been asking for so long And then one day you'll sit down and you'll feel the breath inside your body and it'll teach you how to be closer to yourself. And then another day you'll sit down and you'll be just pissed the entire time you sit there. Another day you'll sit down and, you know, something will come to mind that you forgot about or, you know, whatever. It just continues to build and expand and evolve. So without a benchmark of what it's supposed to look like, it can be really hard to create a practice from the get-go without having radical acceptance of the process being just as it is. And it teaches us so much about life, right? It teaches us, like, that's how life is. You have to be radically accepting. Of course, like, don't sit on your ass and wait for things to come find you. But you have to be radically accepting of the way things are and surrender into your ability to just allow. Yeah,
1: and isn't that, like, what you just ended with isn't that just like the whole point of meditation just being you know yeah just being and I love bringing some elements
0: from my 300 hour into this podcast so much because it's something that's really present for me right now and something she said because we're in the meditation module ironically she talked a lot about how letting go and letting be are two very different things and that letting go, because we're always taught, oh, let go, let go, let go. Letting go is is still an energy of pushing away from because it's go, letting go. Whereas letting be means you're not pushing away from feeling a sadness or pushing away from confrontation with yourself or pushing away from anger or like I'm letting go of whatever the result is of this job interview. It's like you're not pushing the feeling away You're letting be, meaning you're allowing it to just settle and you're reckoning with it so that you can move through it instead of away from it. And that is what that is completely what practice is. And it doesn't matter the form that it is, which we'll talk as well here um, about the different types of meditation, at least the ones that I think are best for people that are, um, you know, maybe in the more uh, beginning or even intermediate stages, you know, like I would say advanced is maybe you're meditating an hour or so a day and you've got a more developed practice that's self-sufficient. But I think most of us are in the place where we're either beginner or intermediate, where we want guidance, we want community, we want to meditate with other people. We want to be in the space where meditation is something we are holding ourselves accountable to in relationship with others, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think, just the surrender part of it is so important, but not surrender to push away from surrender to be within.
1: Yeah. And it's like really, I mean, you don't even know what that difference is until until you are really meditating. Mm -hmm. Because these concepts are so uh, abstract and I mean, obviously, whatever I've experienced in meditation is different from you. But just like we all, you know, it's the same concept of like, we all know the feeling of love. We all know the feeling of pain, even though the way that I associate, you know, love and pain is from different experiences, right? So in the same vein, meditation, uh, you know, what it looks like and and what it feels like to me and within these very abstract concepts, um, you don't know until you begin. And if you don't begin, you'll never know. And if, you know, all these concepts of like, oh, I just want to be, it's like, well, you have to, there's, there's a lot that goes into just being. And like every meditation is so different. So, so different.
0: Yeah, for sure. So maybe let's talk about how you and I got into it. Um, Hmm. I'll say my first experience meditating, actually really meditating, was like hell on earth it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was, um, with somebody who I consider a very close friend, but also a mentor, like deeply mentor, like sees me, calls me out, understands me deeply. And he and I were, uh, either we were roommates or we were about to be roommates at the time. And we had a really close connection and he was really into meditation and fasting and a lot of practices, spiritual practices that, um, really plugged him in. And so I was like, great, let's give this thing a go. And, we sat in the back Bhakti yoga shala in Santa Monica and it was he was teaching there as an instructor and basically he just put us in a circle and he said sit with yourself you'll hear one chime in 20 minutes and you'll hear another one in 40 minutes Oh Good man luck. that sounds like torture Oh it was miserable because oh my gosh and and honestly I I don't fault him at all for it like it was the most incredibly powerful experience ever because it showed me how much I hated myself it showed me the dark place that I was in. It showed me how much I was unwilling to sit in stillness and sit in the presence of just me. And I, when I looked around in a lot of my other relationships, like I didn't have a lot of close relationships of people that stuck around for a while and no shit because I could barely stick around for myself. And so while I sat there, I'm like, why would anyone want to do this? Like you're literally in torture. You're sitting still in an uncomfortable position in your body and you get nothing but to listen to your own looping thoughts. And like all I had was anxiety the whole time. And after, you know, we went out and we, I think we went to dinner and then he was like, all right, well, that's done. First of all, what'd you think? And I'm like, that was so fucked up. And then second of all, I was like, I'm down to try it again, though. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'm open, you know? And then he's like, all right, so I'm going to put you up to a test. Like, let's do some other stuff, you know, like we're, we're going to fast. And so from then on, we started practicing once a week. We fasted for 24 hours, not because we were depriving ourselves of food, But because we were learning how to be non-reactive in the space of urgency, whether it was hunger urgency, not giving ourselves excuses of like, I'm hungry, so I'm going to be an asshole right now, or I'm going to be a bitch right now, or I'm going to lash out, or I'm going to be grumpy, or I'm sitting with my thoughts right now, so I'm going to be this way. And so when we moved in together, I remember we didn't get any furniture in the living room, like no couches, no nothing. It was like one of those tiny apartments in Santa Monica on 5th and Wilshire. And our bedrooms had furniture. I mean, he didn't, he had like a, a mattress because he was very minimalist at the time. Um, and I had like, you know, my my bed and my thousands of clothes, but we didn't have any furniture in the living room because we were looking to just be able to sit in there on the floor and do nothing. And we spent a lot of time practicing And and bit by bit, little by little, I started becoming more receptive to it. But it definitely, I think that because of the type of person I am, my first experience had to be like that because I needed to see myself in that way and see like the fact that I was running so heavily and I needed that much of an experience in order to feel that way. So I'll go fast forward to now, but I wanna hear your first, maybe not your first experience unless you remember it, but what was your introduction to it?
1: It's so funny cause like, I am pretty sure that the first time I actually meditated was my first retreat. I mean, the Shavasana account because it is kind of no, like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. and even if,
0: if in you're talking about in Ohio, like we were also, I gave people the option to lay down and stuff. And not that that's wrong, but there's something really powerful about like sitting up in a tall seat and meditation. Like that's your spine is an antenna. Yeah. Get yeah, that down there. So, low.
1: I mean, my my first meditation experience was at a retreat. It wasn't, torture like the one you just explained (laughs) but um i didn't really implement meditation to be a consistent practice until probably like a year ago Mm. so my, my journey and my experience with meditation has been inconsistent up until a year ago and i think maybe maybe that's why it doesn't, it's not, well, first of all, I didn't have such a piercing experience the first time. Uh, cause that's super extreme what you went through in the sense of like, I think, I mean, just knowing you as a person, I think you're very resilient and, and many other really great qualities. But I think that that type of experience for a lot of people would steer them away from wanting to, you know, keep showing up to meditation cause that's extremely, uh, it's trying like that is that's that's a i mean i love that experience for you and and also it's uh it's not one that i think many people would go back to and but so but it's like what you
0: said in the beginning of the podcast here of like it's all about perception right like you could perceive that and be like i never want to come back here you can perceive that and be like if everyone else is getting something different what am i missing
1: yeah i think that in my experience with meditation, it was already something for some reason like way super more intimidating than any other part of like ritual routine. And so I guess that my statements and associations with what I just said are more so around, it was already so hard for me to show up for it that if it were in my perception that experience that you had, I don't know that I, I don't know when it would have become a consistent practice. Mm.
0: So since it became consistent, what shifted for you?
1: Hmm. Well, (laughs) so many things. Um, And what even
0: made you want to make it consistent?
1: I think it's like the one thing that I resisted so much. It just seemed like I'll do that later. You know, the kind of, you know, instant gratification that we all seek from so many experiences. Um, And meditation does not give you any instant gratification in the sense of, you know, you know what I mean by that? Like, you really have to keep showing up and really committing to yourself that, you're willing to do this no matter what it looks like, no matter if it's five minutes or 15 minutes. Um, And I think in general, I already know about myself that I like variety. Like I I can't eat the same thing every single day, even if I know it's going to give me, you know, the most energy, the most nutrition, the most, um, you know, satisfaction physically and stuff. Um, Once I discovered that there were so many different ways that I could meditate, and that I just was becoming more curious about what my practice could look like in a way that I could implement it on a daily basis, Um, I think that's when I really wanted to make it part of my life on a consistent basis. Um, Because I can already say that even though I didn't do it consistently, I, I always felt great after, right? But that wasn't enough to make me do it every single day, make me, to um, bring me back to doing it every single day consistently until, you know, this past year. And so I think for me, the discovery of my options and, you know, the more you do something, the more it becomes second nature and the more it becomes second nature and part of your routine, You, the more you depend on it and the more you depend on it, the more results you see. And so really I think that's what brought me to making meditation consistent and and allowing for the resistance to go away and know that I had so many options and I could do it, you know, in so many different ways. And I, I love mm-hmm. that for me because with – what life looks like on any given day, I need to be able to have flexibility and allow myself grace with, you know, right now it's just five deep breaths or, you know, Mm. whatever it is, and, and know that I can still, not that that's, you know, ever really enough. If I did a five minute or, you know, five deep breaths or whatever it looks like that I'm grounding myself, I would probably go back now today and get more like later on in the day, because that's (laughs) simply not enough. But um, once I discovered how it made me really feel every time that I kept showing up, it's like, you just can't get enough, you know? Mm.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's like how it makes you feel like if you look at the trajectory of your day on days that you practice meditation versus days that you don't, it's kind of a clear distinction of the difference. You know, there's like a there's like a softness or like this energetic feeling that follows you when you've practiced. And it's, and and there's a lot of different elements that contribute to it, whether it's the neuroscience, meaning your brain has actually changed because of slowing down some of that analytical thought process, or it's the confidence of knowing that you took time for yourself, or it's the peace of just being with you, or it's the development of your relationship with you that allows you to be more, in your worthiness and your self-esteem and less in your ego and more in your spirit, you know, there is something that just lingers with you on the days you practice. You know, even if it's something that's small, it makes it makes a big difference. And something that came to mind too when you said variety and just how, you know, sometimes some days your your days don't look the same. And I think a lot of us can attest to that too, Um, in the sense that, while practice is nice to sit down for a certain amount of time and close your eyes and be guided or listen to music or whatever, or even just sit, there's actually ways in every single moment of our day that we can find mindful practice and it doesn't have to be a formal meditation. So I don't remember if you, if it was you that told me this, or maybe it was someone else in the community, but, um, this person basically said that, uh, anytime you hit a red light, like instead of getting frustrated, it's actually an opportunity for a mindful moment. Was it you?
1: It wasn't me, but I've never heard that. But I do something similar.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so a red light, mindful (laughs) moment, traffic, a mindful moment. Um, Maybe you're, you're standing in line and like the, like in the grocery store and it's taking too long for the person in front of you to check out. (laughs) it's really easy for us to get frustrated with that because we have our agen- agenda. We're like, I, I'm i late or I have something somewhere I need to be or something to do. Or if someone says something that triggers you or you get an email that's intense or something like to use that as a mindful moment, to use that as your pause moment, to be like, wow, this is a reminder to me. This is like a bookmark of like, okay, I could actually just be really mindful right now. And so yeah. when we look at practice like that, there isn't, there, there isn't one place in your life that you can't really practice meditation truly. And whether it's that or it's five deep breaths or even if it's moving meditation, you know, like yoga practice or like, I I mean, we've been doing indoor cycle lately since since I started teaching. And to me, that's become really mindful because it's like this repetition, this beat, 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 beat over and over that creates this almost like sense of flow and that mm-hmm. thought loop or that pattern becomes meditative it it truly becomes meditative and obviously we don't want to use movement or some of these practices as a scapegoat from actually sitting still but sometimes it's like take what you can fucking get you know yeah take what you can get and and if you think of it as more of a meditation it's gonna affect you differently than if you think of it as like a checkbox.
1: yeah So many thoughts right now. <laughs> um, well, hit essentially- me because I
0: can I can keep going. Just hit me whenever you're ready.
1: Well, well <laughs> <laughs> I mean, essentially, when you were talking about that red light um, example, I use um, a mindfulness minute. Uh, I used it today actually when I'm like I was I had a very small window to go to the grocery store before I had a meeting, and. I had to rush back home, quote unquote rush, um, <laughs> because and I kept, ironically or not at all, I kept <laughs> getting stuck behind these cars that were like either, you know, elderly people, or I don't know what was going on, but I like I kept being stuck behind, I kept being presented with the great opportunity to <laughs> pause and not rush. Um,
0: also, by the way, like, what is the fuck is up with us when we get like behind the wheel of a car where we think like we can act like assholes? Like, what is up with that? Not that you were doing that, but like, I've heard this a lot lately with people that I even look up to that they're like, just like when I get behind the wheel, I'm like rushing and then I'm like. Maybe I'm on the phone and people notice that I'm always, like, angry at the traffic. or You know what I mean? Like, what is up with that? Like, we get in our little protection bubble and we can say anything. It's like trolls on the internet. You know, it's like they have the internet to block them so they can say whatever the fuck they want. Oh, man. Go on. Tell me about the moments um, you were presented in your car. Well, these
1: moments, I was, I mean, I'm human, so I obviously innately was just, like, uh, my first immediate reaction was what the you know fuck (laughs) and then instead i'm like nope nope no this is happening for a reason this is happening Mm. for a reason so you have to just and it actually calms me down right it's like okay wait like you're not in a rush everything's fine and because then you show up to whatever you're going to in a frenzy when it's like Mm -hmm. it's not that dramatic i love it's not that dramatic uh that saying that we use because it's like, Mm -hmm. why am I taking myself so seriously? But yeah, so I think there are so many opportunities throughout our day that we just get caught up in the emotion of what's going on. And we can instead apply the mindfulness recognition or moment. And that's not meditation per se, but it is mindfulness and within mindfulness is meditation. So it's like it all goes in the same direction.
0: Yeah, but when you meditate more, you you can have more of those mindful moments because you know how to slow down and deal with racing thoughts and calm them. Like when you're mm-hmm. meditating and then it's like, oh, shit, the dryer just went off. Oh, I, what am I going to eat for lunch tomorrow? Oh, my God, I forgot to write this email. Watching those thoughts and then taming them in a gentle way is the practice of the life skill you have for those moments when you're behind an elderly person in the car and you can choose to be mindful over being angry. It's because you've developed
1: yourself in that way. Yeah. And it's so interesting because there are so many potential distractions when you're meditating, whether it's in a room filled with people and, you know, you're like, why is that person breathing so loud and literally it has nothing (laughs) to do with you? Or you're at home and, you know, you hear a lawnmower outside or a car that's loud. There are so many distractions. And actually, my husband, walked in on me meditating uh, this was a couple weeks ago and he's like I'm so sorry I didn't know you were meditating I was like it's totally fine because there's so many distractions like that's just it's just part of the practice it doesn't matter to me yeah it's the nature of it I see that a lot too on zoom when you know when we're leading practice
0: like I don't know if you see it because you led a beautiful meditation this morning um mm-hmm. but you can look up and you see like People walking in and out of the room that, you know, our students are in or you see like, you know, you see shit happening and, you know, you're like, I wonder if they're going to get distracted right now, you know, or you see that happen because it's so easy for it to happen. Mm -hmm. Like I'm literally in a house full of people right now with the door closed and like someone could easily walk in or the dogs can bark. I'm sure they have already. And I didn't notice, but it's what do you do with the distraction? Because in life, there's always going to be distractions. If you have your eyes on the prize or a goal in mind and you want to go after something, there's going to be all kinds of things that can get in your way. But how willing are you to stay focused and intentional about where your awareness is, where your consciousness is, what energy you're putting forward?
1: Yeah. And with these like simple examples that so many people can be distracted by, whether you're meditating or going through daily life, right? It's like when you're actually meditating and these distractions come up, obviously like it's intentional, meaning it's not coming up coincidentally, Number one. Number two, how I think th- this right here is where it's at. How <laughs> dedicated to yourself are you that these distractions are pulling you out from from yourself? Mm. Right? So I think once I realize like I don't need to scratch my nose, even though sometimes I'm like, Oh shit, I'm about to f- I'm about to sneeze right now. Um <laughs> but, I mean like something like that obviously you can't avoid, but you know, other things that you're like, I want to scratch you know, there's an itch or, uh, you know, my, you want to just, you know, your clothes, those are all excuses. And it's like, I will not, like, I will not even move to scratch my nose. I'm like, I'm just, that doesn't matter right now, you know? So yeah, I think that. Because you break
0: the concentration when you do that. Mm -hmm. You break the flow, you create a little wrench in the energy field.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy because you don't know what will show up. To your meditation, right, and so <laughs> I've sat down, literally being like, "I'm fine, everything's okay." And then, I mean, not that I'm <laughs> not okay if I cry, right? But then I have like this really crazy meditation and like download that, like I've texted you so many times, I'm like, "Oh my god, uh, I left my body," <laughs> you know, and <laughs> or like I had this crazy download or um or when you saw say, me like, giving birth, oh my god, that was I can't, I was. Just, <laughs> Nothing has Same compared. Brain. It was so crazy. Yeah. That was a crazy one.
0: But yeah, but I mean. You you got to open yourself up to that. And the opening yourself up to that is not being distracted by the little things because the little things are so irrelevant.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, if you don't allow these distractions to break you from what you're doing and also you keep showing up to yourself you build not only do you have you don't know what what type of meditation experience you're going to have because you know you've allowed up until this point so many distractions and excuses to pull you away from what you're actually supposed to be focused on but like you literally don't know the potential of what meditation could do for you
0: I love that you use the word excuses Because not making time for meditation is a bullshit excuse. At the end of the day, like everyone has 24 hours in a day. And if you can't spare five minutes, 10 minutes, and you're giving the rest of your entire day away to everyone else around you, it's an excuse that you're not willing to be loyal enough to yourself.
1: Yeah. To just show up. And if you're you're not loyal to yourself, then why should anybody else show up for you? You know? That's right. Damn, right? I
0: want to talk about this story um, that I heard. I was watching a um an interview who's it with? It was with um this woman, Emily Fletcher, who's a meditation teacher. and um what's the guy's name from oh God, what's his name? He owns um something mindspace mind Va- mind Valley. What's his name?
1: Uh-huh, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember okay. his name, but I know who you're talking yes. about.
0: so he was interviewing her and they were talking about um Meditation, and she gave this dinner party example, which I loved. And she said, "Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm probably going to botch it, but she said if you're if you're going to a dinner party, um, and you want to go to a dinner party with three people that you love, that you like, can't wait to be around, and you want to spend the evening with them." And you consider like who those people are and maybe bring them to mind. And going to a dinner party with them, you know, will be time well spent. It'll be joyful. It'll be an experience where you can completely connect and disconnect from your life and just be present, right? And then if you think about going to a dinner party with three people or even one person that you're that you don't like being around that you're like, Oh, this is something that I would probably make an excuse not to show up to or something that, um, I'd probably last minute be like, Oh my God, I might have COVID or or something like who knows any excuse goes these days. Um, (laughs) or you'd think of like anything to reschedule. And if you think of those three people as if they were three people in your life right now, and you kind of bring someone to mind, I'm sure we can all think of three people we'd love to be around and three people we wouldn't. If you start to zoom out and you look at the qualities of the three people you would want to go to dinner with, those people very likely all experience you just as you are. When you're around them, you don't feel like they're tugging or pulling at asking you to change or be different than you are. They see you, they replenish you, they fill you up. They don't have like needs from you, they don't like show up and ask you to give them something. They just show up with abundant energy, and they see you and they're present with you. And alternatively, if you look at the three people you probably really want to cancel on or reschedule on, those are people that probably energy suck. Like when you're around them, you can't actually exhale. Like you feel like they're constantly pulling from you, wanting you to be different. Um, Like when they show up in the space, you can't quite relax. you feel like you need to put a mask on or something on when you're around them. And so when we don't meditate, when we do, let's first say when we do meditate, we do meditate, we're replenishing ourselves and we're making it so that we're responsible for our actions, our behaviors, the way we show up in the world and we're filling up our own tank. When we don't meditate... We're seeking that deep fulfillment and connection from those around us. And so when you think about showing up in a space and not meditating, you are like those three people you'd cancel on because you are sucking energy out, wanting people to be different, showing up in a space, expecting things from people versus filling your own tank and showing up with an abundant energy of, I just see you. I don't need you to be any different to receive my love. So really when you look at it in that way, meditation is actually the most selfless thing, not the most selfish thing. Like when you meditate, you're not taking time for you. You're taking time to be the best version of you so that what you contribute on this planet while you're alive is kind and compassionate and loving and contribution-based and adds value versus takes away because you need something from outside of yourself.
1: I love that story because I can relate to it. And also, it's like, it's true. When I don't show up for myself, I sure as hell can't show up for other people. And so, I know that firsthand when I dedicate my time to meditation, and the more time I dedicate to it, it's like the more i am able to be not just present but also available yeah
0: to be the best well, we're version we're like we're less clear when we're not practicing and when we're less clear we are more prone to the stories we tell ourselves the narrative our old stories our autopilot ways of being but when we practice we're more present we're more clear so we can reflect easier in real time and move away from that narrative you know yeah when we meditate we're listening just Mm -hmm. like when we pray we're speaking or asking when we meditate we're listening we're clearing the path (sighs) yeah so many exhales um do you want to talk a little bit about consistency like not necessarily meditating just once, but what that looks like of just everyday practice. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that everything that you do consistently, not only results in bigger long-term results, but also builds your resilience in every part of your life and when you do something once versus every day, how much can you say that it's actually affecting you and others around you when you're not actually showing up to it in its maximum full potential? So when you do dedicate yourself and therefore your time to a consistent practice that is meditation, you learn so many things that are beyond just sitting down and listening or pausing your thoughts and focusing on your breathing and many other things. What would you add to that?
0: I couldn't agree more. I think it's like an investment, you know? And when you want an, an investment to give you a return you have to actually invest. You have to, you have to take a risk and sacrifice something that is of value to you. And if our time is the most valuable asset that we have, if we're willing to sacrifice a little bit of time every single day to just spending time with ourselves, the return on investment is really high. And so what I couldn't stress enough for our listeners is that it's so much more about what you do every day that makes an impact than what you do once in a while. And while it might be really, you might have a really profound meditation experience doing some parent meditation or some like a life after death meditation or something like really intense. And you could totally drop into that experience, but that five or 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, every single day is really like how you set the bar for ongoing mindful experiences. It's like it's like if you were to train your muscles to get strong, you're training your brain and your mind and your emotions and your spiritual body to get strong. So you show up to it every day just like you would a physical workout. And I think because we're such appearance-based culture that we prioritize more something like working out because you see results in your physical body. But how do we actually take care of our mindset? And And luckily in our day and age now – I think mental health is being prioritized even more. And the thing that really makes me excited is the neuroscience study that's being done around um, around meditation and what actually are the results of it. I mean, it helps with everything. It helps with PTSD. It helps with addiction. It helps with mental illness. It helps even just the daily person. Like, you don't have to be mentally ill for it to benefit you. Like, there isn't one demographic of person. Meditation does not benefit And there's very few things in our medical field that you could say that about besides like sleep, but that's a necessity, you know? And meditation Meditation. helps with sleep too. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You're so right. So I want to talk briefly about uh, the neuroscience if you're down because I'm studying this right now as well. Um, Tell us. (laughs) Tell us. Tell us. I've always been so um, intrigued by this, especially because my, especially my mom's side, we have a history of a lot of mental illness. And um, the thing that comes up in my family lineage a lot is like, oh, memory, like both my grandparents had Alzheimer's and my mom has a hard time remembering things. And I get that feedback a lot um, around memory. So I get really intrigued by the science of the, of, of how this actually affects our brains. Um, And so essentially what happens when we meditate is that we shut off the external stimulation, meaning we're not working, we're not interacting with technology, we're not talking with other people, we're in our own experience. And it shuts off the part of our brain that is always analytical thinking, the frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is responsible for like decision making, figuring things out, problem solving, blah, 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 blah and when you're meditating if you're you know doing it in the most beneficial way you're not trying to figure things out you're kind of just allowing thoughts to pass and so that part of your brain becomes less active and then the part of your brain that is more connected to your emotional body your spiritual body your really your your emotional regulation which is the amygdala which is kind of in the center of your brain that part of our brain has more space and time to activate because we're not so frontal lobe centric. And so we're able to process emotion with a little bit more bravery and a little bit more consistency and um, confrontation, if you will, which by the way, confrontation doesn't have to be always be a bad word or mean conflict. Confrontation is not conflict. Confrontation just means you are confronted with whatever's going on in there. And with um, a lot of us so trained to repress emotion our whole lives, or to move away from negative emotion, the part of our amygdala that you know is is supposed to be strong with emotion and, and understand it and be able to process it in a healthy way, a lot of times doesn't get the time of day to do that. So, what meditation does, if we think about like the right and left sides of our brain, right brain corresponds with the left side of our body. Left side of our body is, in yoga, it's the ping, uh, it's the ida, uh, ida nadi, which is the feminine. It's the more lunar. It's the more creative. So right brain means creative, artsy, maybe more flowy, adaptable. Left brain is like uh, corresponds with the right body, which is uh, masculine, Pingala Nadi, which is um, the analytical, problem solve, get things done. Da 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 da. And so when we meditate and we slow down, what's usually hyperactive, and we activate what's usually less active or vice versa for someone that might be really creative that needs to come more into the, um, analytical side, you're creating whole brain activity. So you're allowing your entire brain to work as a whole. And so another thing that happens too is, um, the, uh, center that divides the right and left sides of the brain, it's called the corpus callosum. I'm sure you guys remember that from anatomy in school. Um, that is, there's like gray matter in that area and that allows both sides of the brain to work together because you need your creative to work with your analytical. You have to have them working in conjunction, not one or the other, because then you're always in the head and not in the heart or always in the heart and not in the head. And so meditation helps build and thicken the gray matter in the corpus callosum. So that again, whole brain activity is more
1: accessible. Science. Science
0: science and that's just only a small piece you know like that's there's also like brainwave frequencies and like how fast our brainwave is our brains are moving um and to just slow this frequency down to open up the pattern on the more spiritual front to like what are you supposed to be listening to from like your inner wisdom self your guides what are you supposed to be hearing that you can't hear when you're in frontal lobe analytical thinking Shit's important (laughs) and every day it's different You can't think your way through an answer
1: always. It's crazy to me that... Well, a lot of things are crazy to me. (laughs) But it's crazy to me that some people don't even know the power of meditation, actually. So with that in mind, I mean, the effects of medication. Not medication. Meditation. Which is Um, basically medication. It is. It's a... You don't have to take a pill. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the effects of meditation are I mean, so beneficial. It's like, yeah, you could think about this when you're doing any type of movement, even yoga, if you're not mindful with what you're doing and listening to your body, you could potentially injure yourself, but with meditation, you literally can't do anything but good things to yourself.
0: Well, yeah, when you when you said too that if you're not mindful when you're working out or moving, you could injure yourself. Same thing, if you're not mindful when you're interacting with people, you can hurt yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Same, same. And so what made me think of that is, you know, the statement that I made before is that it's just so crazy that some people don't even have an access, the power of... what consistent meditation can do for you. Um, And so with that in mind, I think it would be beneficial to tell our listeners just about where they can begin, you know, um, Um, from my perspective, I wanted to share as someone who's a little newer to meditation than you, for example, um, as I mentioned variety. And when I, when I talk about that, I sometimes there's so many things. I can either put on some gentle ambient music and, you know, breathe for the duration of the song. Or I sometimes do guided meditations. Or sometimes, um, what else is there? Taking five deep breaths. That, that mm-hmm. brings me to, a, you know, more mindful state for sure. So those are some examples of how i've made meditation applicable to any day and making it super practical those are just i mean Mm -hmm. i just listed three really simple things um what would you have in mind
0: it's so funny that you started that because i was like types is types of meditation definitely is something we need to cover in this um those are really great. So I would say the first one you said music. I would say something like with ambient music is great because it's self-guided. So you mm-hmm. allow yourself to sit down and just slow down and allow what's coming to come. Um, I love guided as well, um, To t- especially when you're beginning, is to have someone's voice give you information, which we have a ton of um, guided meditations on our um, on-demand, our previous recorded classes on our website, um, both with me and Jules and even Kayla leads some. So we've got that available for you guys if you want to try that. Um, guided meditation is just someone giving you support. It's like an undertone of here's what to think about, here's where to go with your mind, here are some questions that allow some opening for you. And um, I think, and just then, sorry,
1: not to interrupt you, but to add no, to that, on. I think that guided is, it's probably the best for beginning because... Mm-hmm the number one thing that like, you know, you encounter when you're not used to meditating is like, when's it over? Am I doing it right? Um, You know, distractions are like, Oh, I'm just going to, you know, look at my phone really quick. Okay. Then I'll go back. And like, Mm -hmm. you're not really in it. So if, if you need to have a structure around meditation, guided, guided is probably where I would suggest starting because it gives you a framework for something like you don't have to figure anything out and on yeah. your uh site there's so many you know like 15 minutes is is really not long at all so mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. And guided within that frame, there's also like guided where they're asking you questions or for example, like loving kindness meditation is a guided meditation and it's all about compassion. Um, You can do a forgiveness meditation. You can also do visualization meditation where someone guides you into visualizing a certain scene in nature or something like that. And that also helps your brain um, get stronger with just different thought patterns and neural pathways and creating that for yourself, manifestation meditation, things like that. And then The breath, too, can be like you can have guided breathwork meditation. That's helpful. Um, You can also breathe on your own, which is helpful and nice. Um, Other types, for example, Zen meditation is just observing your thoughts come and go. There's mantra meditation where you repeat a phrase over and over and over again. There's affirmation meditations where you come up with a statement that gives you an affirmative thing to believe in yourself or to connect with something Um, there's, there's so many different types and, and I think just the most important thing is, is try a lot and don't get set on one for the rest of your life, like different things for different seasons, be open to changing and shifting and be open to different days needing something different. But I think the key is consistency and that's really where you strengthen is always make it to your meditation space. Even if it's a really short period of time, it's worth it.
1: Great advice.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Well, that was awesome. And I hope this was a good starter pack of information for you guys (laughs) um, on meditation, one of my favorite topics ever. And um, please share this with anyone you think that will find it beneficial. Um, Like, subscribe, leave us reviews too. It always helps people that are curious about uh, what we're talking about here. And um, I think Jules is going to close us out with something. Oh, okay.
1: I don't know that we uh, necessarily have time for that, but I can close oh. this out with... Um...
0: How about a little breath?
1: A little breath? Sure. Yeah, a little breath. <laughs> hmm <laughs> I'm reminding myself to breathe right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I would like to invite you to take a deep breath through your nose. And exhale through your mouth. One more. Inhale. Exhale through your mouth. Let it go. One more for good measure. <laughs> inhale through your nose. And exhale through your mouth. I feel calmer already. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Well,
0: uh, guys, we are so stoked to be able to do this with you every week. And uh, we're excited to see you again here soon, to hear you, to feel you. And um, please stay tuned with all the things we got going on. Check out our meditations online and uh, peace out. Bye.